The road to Emmaus scripture usually makes me think about the woods because if I'm going to walk seven miles, it's usually because I'm hiking. Um, I don't typically walk someplace if I need to get there, especially if it's seven miles away. Um, we don't these days, do we? So for us to walk seven miles, we're probably out on a hike, enjoying the Pacific Northwest wonderland that we live in on the coast or in the mountains. But Cleopas and her pal were not walking for fun on um, the day that our scripture finds them. It was Sunday after the crucifixion on Friday, and they were walking grief-stricken on their way home. They were dejected. They had officially given up. They were no longer even going to try anymore. And so they were headed home, tails between their legs, heads held low, grief filling their hearts. And grief is something that um, affects us in a lot of different ways. Grief, it's one of the weirdest things that grief does. It affects our mentation. Grief makes it so that it's hard to concentrate. Grief makes it so that it's hard to remember things. Perhaps you've been experiencing that in these last weeks over the grief of losing so much, over the fear and uncertainty of the future. Maybe you've been experiencing the fact that you just can't pay attention as well as you normally do and that things that you might normally remember, you're forgetting. Um, so I feel like it's no wonder that Cleopas and her companion did not recognize Jesus right away. First of all, he was the last person they thought they would see, right? They believed him to be dead. They knew that he had been crucified and, and killed and buried on Friday. And although they had heard some rumblings, they thought that was crazy talk. And honestly, they just thought maybe a grave robber had come and, um, and taken Jesus' body out of the tomb. There was no reason for them to believe that it was really him. So as they walked along, um, Jesus unpacked for them the law and the prophets as it pertained to what they had experienced in the last few days. And they were given hope. Before they even realized who Jesus was, Jesus communicated hope to them, meaning to them. Um, and so when they arrived at their home, where they were going to, um, to give up, basically, they, Jesus was going to continue to walk, and they invited him into their home for dinner. You can't keep going, dude. It's dark. It's late. Come on in. Have a meal with us. It was when they finally sat down after offering him hospitality, and they sat at the table together, when they finally recognized Jesus for who he was. Um... It's incredible the experiences that we get to sit at the table together and it's powerful to recognize one another as human as and to take a moment to nourish ourselves together. It's what we do at the Lord's table every Sunday when we gather together in person worship. And the minute that they recognized Jesus, a strange thing happened. He disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared. It was like... All right, you got it. You figured out who I was. Now you have this hope that I have embedded in you and this wisdom that I have given to you. And that's never going to disappear. But, but I'm out. So they, at that point, 
after Jesus disappeared, packed up their stuff, and they ran, essentially. They went back post-haste. They went back as quickly as they could, that seven miles, back to Jerusalem, and they connected with the um, the disciples there and were like, hey! And the disciples said, Simon seen Jesus! And they were like, we have to! And um, it was an incredible reunion. They were energized and excited. So this week, on uh, Wednesday, I believe it, it was, uh, but really, who even pays attention to what day it is anymore? I mean, honestly, does it even matter? Like, what day is it? Uh, we don't even know. Naomi asked me this week at dinner time. she just looked at me and said, Mommy, what day is it today? Um, it happened to be Monday that day. She didn't really care what day it was, but but this this week on Wednesday, which maybe you knew this or not, it was Earth Day. So that makes this Sunday Creation Care Sunday. And I've been thinking about the environment a lot anyway, especially with all of the news stories about what this um, uh, social isolation and what this, um, this uh, you know, staying in place and, and, and staying out of the streets and staying out of um, the workplace has done for the environment. And I think that we all have seen the pictures of polluted cities like in India and LA and other places where all of a sudden it's clear and you can see the sky in a new way. We've seen the waterways that have become alive with marine life that haven't been there in decades. We've seen the wildlife in national parks um, playfully coming back into places that have just been dominated by humans normally. And so we have to admit this Earth Day that the created world really likes this break in the frenetic activity of humanity. Um, it's benefiting from it. And, um, and you know, it, the way that the world works, that we're all interdependent on one another and we all belong to each other, um, that means that we're benefiting it from it somehow too. Um, many of us too have been driven outdoors by the beautiful weather. Um, in the Pacific Northwest, if it's sunshine, if the sun is shining outside, you are contractually obligated to go outside and enjoy it and to put a smile on your face lest it goes away. Um, everything is canceled. So we have been able to enjoy the sun um, without caveat. So our Saturdays, Sundays, evenings, middays, we get to go walk in the dirt, walk on our sidewalks, play, play um, in our gardens. And um, ironically, our carbon foot footprint has decreased as our actual footprints increase in and around this beautiful place that we live. Um, but still, even with all of this enjoying the beauty, um, even with the fact that the world is healing and we can see the beauty around us and we can see some of the positive things that are happening, we still find ourselves on this walk to Emmaus and Creation Care Sunday grieving the loss of things. We are stuck in grieving and having the hard time focusing because of this and in the stress um, of doing all the things remotely and differently and many of us trying to homeschool our, our children and, um, and at the same time be productive with our jobs somehow remotely. Um, it's, it's crazy and all of this without the normal support of our families and communities. And maybe the most difficult part of it all is the scattering. Um, like Cleopas and her friend who had 
left um, and been just the two of them after they had been in this strong community of folk for so long, uh, we also are scattered and siloed in our homes, unable to see one another. Richard Rohr writes that Christ is not Jesus's last name. And what he really means by that is just that the person of Jesus is not the only place where we see the Christ, Messiah, and saving work of God throughout history and the world. Christ in God's incredible, miraculous grace is everywhere, all the time, and has been since the creation. Um, Christ was in creation, breathing into the, into the, into the uh, mystery with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, with Moses as Aaron and Hur held up his arms, with Hagar in the wilderness, comforting her and reminding her that she had value. He was inspiring Esther to use her position of influence to bring justice. Christ was with the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and other civil rights activists and anti-racism activists as they crossed the Edmunds Pettus Bridge on their way from Selma to Montgomery. Christ was with Anne Frank as she wrote and hoped from her hiding place. Christ has been with each and every one of us every step of our journeys of our lives, even though the um, embodied Christ has uh, in Jesus has ascended to heaven. So Christ is, um, is much bigger and more universal and incredible than just that one um, finite life or infinite life, really. Um, Christ is in each new petal of spring and in each nourishing drop of rain. Christ is in our living and moving and in our service and in our love and in, even in our suffering and in our grief. The incarnate Jesus, God embodied and made of flesh, points us to all the ways that God has been, is, and will be with us. He showed us how to live, how to embrace love and, and, and hope, and how to follow our own paths all the way so that we might know beyond a shadow of a doubt that nothing can separate us from God. Jesus showed us in his death and resurrection what the pattern of death and resurrection everywhere really means. That death is never the end of the story. That suffering is never the end of the story. That grief is never the final word. That it is only and ever a new beginning. The intersection of the Walk to Emmaus Sunday and Creation Care Sunday is a beautiful one. Because it reminds us of the way that God shows us the Christ power, beauty, and hope everywhere all the time. And how we are invited through that to participate in the reign of God. To participate in justice and mercy. To participate in the healing of the world. And that means people. And that means the forests. And that means the Salish Sea. It means all of it. All the time. Right now... We are on a journey that none of us would have chosen. Like Cleopas and her companion who were trudging along um, without um, that, the, the desire to, to have that grief-stricken journey, um, one foot in front of the other, um, we are moving forward without a clear answer to when this will all end or how it will end or how much more will break or how much more we'll lose before it is all finished. Perhaps we can gaze out the window during this time into a scene of God's own making 
or walk on a trail or put our nose in a tulip or close our eyes and listen to a bird song or feel the softness of a budding flower and realize this incredible truth. God is with us. Christ has been here all along, revealing to us the incredible wisdom of God's love and instilling in our hearts hope even though we didn't even recognize it as such. Hope will fill our hearts and minds and lives if we can experience in the breaking of the bread, in the gift of the fleeting moment, that Christ has been here all along. I was inspired this week by a poem by Pastor Larry Morris entitled The Gift of Each New Day, uh, reminding us of what it looks like to to walk in uncertain times. It reads, we cannot pray the 6.30 sunrise into coming at 5.30 or the 6.15 bird song into happening at 5.15, but we can pray for our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our souls to be open to the gift of each new day. If you, my siblings in Christ, cannot feel the presence of God with you now, do not compound your grief or sadness with guilt. Just rest. Just go outside. Just close your eyes. Just breathe deeply. The presence of God does not rely on you recognizing it. It just is. Christ has never left you, has never forsaken you, has transformed death before our eyes into a new beginning, and God will show God's self to you. The created world holds the promise. The Jesus story holds the promise. Your heart holds the promise, and tomorrow's dawn holds the promise. God is with us. Amen. <laughs>